If you work for a living, why do you kill yourself working? From the Willamette Valley, in America's great Pacific Northwest, you are listening to the Ernest Mann Show. I'm your host, Ernest Mann. Coming to you no matter where, what time, or what place you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful, but sometimes incredibly crazy world we all live in. Hello, everyone. It's Friday. We made it through another week. Thank you for tuning in, or for tuning in again. And this is episode number 247, A Reality Lesson, The Lahina Maui Hawaii Fire, The Phone Call That Saved a Life. Before I get started, there is a thank you I wanted to send out to all of my listeners in India. And I have to I have to wonder I don't know why there are so many people that listen to my show in India, but I'm very grateful. And um I just wanted you to know that. So Thanks again. I got a telephone call um, from basically an old client. And this is a man um, that right out of the chute um, just wanted to thank me. Um, I had... Worked with him a couple of years ago. And we came down to narrowing his choices of places that he wanted to actually relocate to uh, from where he was at that time, which was in Lahaina, Maui, Hawaii. And I gave him my opinion that, um, yes, he should leave sooner than later. And um, the tragedy is now the place is, is just wiped out with fire. Almost... At the, at the time, at this moment, almost around 40 people have died. And the city's just utterly, that city is destroyed. And I had this man on the phone with me, profusely thanking me. Um, because he felt as though from the information that he had gathered in all probability 
he probably would have been dead. And so, what does this what does this mean? Well, as sad as it is, it means that I'm doing my job. And I still do that job. That is basically, um, amongst other things, I give people advice on where to live. And sometimes even how to live. And um, this is something that has happened several times in the past as far as getting phone calls. And I, I cannot give you the man's name. And I'm not going to <laughs> be able to play any audio. But let's just say again, he was extremely grateful um so where did where did this come from how did this happen the thing is what is not actually unusual is this occurrence in and of itself as a matter of fact if you want another prediction, this is going to begin happening more frequently in that area of the world. And um, to put this in perspective, I think it would be a good idea to help put this into a, a greater, perhaps, visual context. It's just a little information about the place. Now, these numbers are not precise, but they're close. Um, this place roughly has a population close to around 15,000. And as far as, you know, home ownership, we're talking roughly half of that population owns their home. And they haven't in several years to give you an idea of how tightly, as they like to call it, the market is. They haven't been issuing any building permits. Well, they're going to be issuing them now because just about every damn thing's burned to the ground. But anyway... This place has about or had, you know, close to that population. And when you consider as part of the 
equation that I have, how, um, how poorly it sits on the index that I created. Um, it's, it's amazing that so far only around, you know, 36 or 37 people have died. That is amazing, actually. Um, could have been far worse. But we're talking about a place here that is not even eight square miles. The whole city's eight, less than eight square miles. And, um, um, It has to do, quite simply, as this is only one of the um, qualifying numbers, let's say, that there are simply too many people. That crams you at that point into around almost 17 hundred people per square mile. Now, you can say by other metrics, well, that's not a lot of people. It depends on what you want to, you know, use as an example to pull out of your ass and say, well, look, let's look at uh, New York City or, yeah, you can get higher densities, but that is not what the issue is here. And the issue here is the Human Comfort Sustainability Index. And ideally, what you want when you dial in all the factors is you want around an index as close to or less than 100. And... When I plugged in all the numbers for this place, we're looking at a number of almost 1,700. Again, just because that closely happens to uh, correlate with the population per square mile, but I assure you, that there can be wild differences in that index number. But in this case, it just happened to correlate to that. In other words, this place was almost 17 times over that index of 100 and so for that reason I did not advise living there and so this is what happens now um, 
if I would have been sloppy in running the numbers, things could have had a very, very different outcome for this gentleman. But I do the numbers um, very, very carefully. And I don't believe in shoddy work. But here's the thing. As terrible as this is, it's amazing so far that the death toll has not been much higher. But what's even going to be worse is going to be the fallout even once the flames are stamped out. Because it's simply not a fact of waiting for the, you know, the fires, all of that to simply stop and cool off and then immediately start rebuilding the infrastructure in this particular area and region. One of the things as far as a risk assessment is concerned is they're going to need to very seriously consider if any of this should be re-inhabited in the first place. I don't think it should. But this ties in with the ongoing argument I've had for some time concerning space. The people, the space that people need to live comfortably. And um, there are so many different factors involved Again, and this is all, you know, based on you, your life, your age, your finances. It's all it's all your thing. And you would be absolutely amazed at some of the places that maybe off the top of your head you would die to live in or even close to. And the numbers paint an entirely different picture. Now, again, I want to emphasize that to a certain extent, to perhaps to a larger extent, um, this is very individualized. And so a place that, you know, would be absolutely terrible for one person could work out very, very well for another. But this particular place is, it's just, um, it was a huge accident just waiting to happen. As a matter of fact, I'm very surprised that this has taken as long as it has to actually occur. Of course, 
Nobody wants anything like this to occur. I'm simply stating that I thought it was overdue. And there are so many places like this. At least, and I'm just talking about here in the good old continental United States. And there are places, there are places, for instance, where they have had more than a hint of natural disasters. And some of these places have been very proactive, which is a good thing. And for lack of a better term, some of them have just done nothing more than basically stick their head in the ground and pretend as though it, the threat doesn't exist. And these are the places that are going to pay dearly. So, um, I wanted to share this because, you know, when I, when I see this on the news, and they have lots of coverage on this right now. And you think, you know, these are these are human lives. I mean, imagine just the horror of that, just only getting out lucky enough to get out alive and everything you have up in up in flames and you can't go home because there's no home to go back to. And just looking at the expressions, these people are terrified. And um, also, you know, the local government, they're doing the best they can, of course. But I'm saying absolutely just in in no way were they prepared for something this catastrophic and how utterly fast it was. You just can't, you can't prepare um, for something like that enough. Um, when I when I look at this entire picture, I'm very glad not only did I choose not to live there, but at least I was able to positively affect at least one person's life. But also as a consequence of that, um, that meant that he did not have family members who were also would have been living there as well. So part of what I'm trying to say is that it is absolutely amazing when you think about it, not only what we can both good and bad receive as far as the fickleness of fate, 
but also in a good way, you know, if you every now and then you make those good, sound, reasonable decisions and it can pay off. And it could it could be anything from choosing, for instance, not to get in a car when you know the person driving's intoxicated and you could just be the one that wants to stick out and say it that's okay you guys you go ahead yeah it's fine and then they end up in a really bad accident or maybe there's you know several people killed that one choice you made that was smart and smart moves based on solid information facts it's um that's a good thing and so all i can say is um you know, my heart really goes out to those people and what they're going through. And we're going to be, and we are sending assistance as much as we can. And so that's what I'm going to leave you with this Friday. And um, let's hope that things improve in that neck of the woods. I certainly hope it does. Other than that, thanks for listening and be back on Monday. Take care. Why should you listen to The Earnest Man Show? Because instead of hearing such servile, cowardly, and ballless reporting from corporate news sources delivering news such as, I believe, Senator so-and-so, that you might be telling an untruth. Hmm. You want to hear what really needs to be said, such as, Senator Asshole is a paid corporate shill, and if there is still any real law left in this country, and if the judge is in a good mood, he should minimally be tarred and feathered with a subsequent 10-year sentence of hard labor with no possibility of parole for stealing taxpayer money. This is why you should listen, because it clearly demonstrates your ability to see through such mass corporate bullshit due to your greater perception and intelligence. That's why you should listen to The Earnest Man Show.